0: Kristen, it's the fall movie season, and Woo-hoo. I i have a little theory for you.
1: About what? About the themes of the movies this season?
0: About fall movies and what's happening with fall movies this oh, season. Oh, oh, can
1: I guess? Can I okay, guess? Okay, tell all, me. All right. They're going to have white people.
0: <laughs> Kristen. And men. <laughs> okay, settle down, Angela Davis. <laughs> Here's the thing. My the- My theory... My theory is my theory is more genre based actually it's not <laughs> nearly as political as your theory. <laughs> my theory my theory is more eggheady. Uh, okay. All right. uh if that's even the way to put it. I what I'm t- what I'm seeing a lot of at least a, at least a uh, at least a mini trend is the old-fashioned mystery thriller. Do you remember back in the day Oh
1: like Gone Girl last week?
0: Well, like Gone Girl, like um, Walk Among the Tombstones with uh, your favorite, mm-hmm. Liam Neeson. Mm-hmm. Um, He's got a particular
1: set of skills. That's
0: right. And then uh, coming up before I go to sleep with Nicole Kidman, another thriller. And then right here in the middle of this little this little wave of mystery thriller drama type movies is a courtroom drama. The Judge, Robert Downey Jr., Robert Duvall. When's the last time you saw a courtroom drama in the multiplex?
1: God, I usually see them on the Lifetime channel. Exactly. Every Lifetime movie ends in a courtroom scene.
0: The last time I saw a courtroom drama, I'm thinking, was uh, The Lincoln Lawyer with Matthew McConaughey. 2000, I think, 11, oh, somewhere gosh, in there. that was a
1: while ago. Yeah, I, loved,
0: I actually love that movie. A uh, real underrated film. And uh, But I think what's happening here is, just as you're saying, I think... Hollywood is trying to compete with television a little bit. You know, crime, murder, cops, lawyers, detectives. Oh,
1: yeah. SVU, CSI, right. all that stuff. They've yeah.
0: never gone out of fashion in television, but television's hotter than ever. And so I think the movies are trying, and they're in a, in a small way, I think they're trying to get a little foothold on the television audience by bringing people in.
1: Yeah, well, they should. Movies are, well, according to some people, really just out of fashion at this point. It's all about TV now, right? Box office is still rising. Box office is still rising. Well, last weekend, the ladies did well. Just so you know, (laughs) Gone Girl and Annabelle, they did so well. They cleaned up in the theater last week. Annabelle's not a lady. That's a doll. That doesn't count okay. all right we're going we're
0: gonna to talk about the judge. We'll see if this movie has the potential to bring the television viewers into the multiplex before we do that let's introduce ourselves I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for
1: Newsday and I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture producer for the Takeaway and this is movie Day.
0: Kristen, before we get to the judge, tell me about a movie that I will see. Actually, on the very night that, this pod, uh, uh, that we're that we're doing this podcast.
1: Oh, because you're going to be at the Hamptons Film Festival, as you are every year at this time. That's correct. Is I, this the movie that's going to be opening the festival this, this year? This is the
0: opening night film, and it was just recently announced. Big, big get for the Hamptons International Film Festival. Bill Murray will be there.
1: Oh, my gosh. At the screening. Oh, hug him.
0: Yeah, he's been on a real... I'll do that. I'll hug him. Of course, the movie that we were talking about is St. Vincent. This is his new film, Kristen... I haven't seen it, so you're going to have to tell me about it.
1: But you sounded suspicious of it when we first were talking about this. You uh, said it just seems like another grumpy old angry guy, like, what would you say, bad Santa? Bad and-
0: Santa, bad teacher, bad news bears. <laughs> I'm just a bad grandpa. I'm just, I'm curious, but you tell me, you tell me.
1: So it's true. He's a bad guy. He's an alcoholic. His yard is a mess. He's angry. He hangs out with prostitutes who are half his age. He bets all his money at the track. He's no good. He is trouble. And yet, he might have a heart underneath all that gruff. And how do we know this? Because he's suddenly forced to take care of a neighborhood boy. Melissa McCarthy's a single mom. She's got a little kid. She has to work a lot. And she entrusts her little boy uh, to be cared for by Bill Murray. Here's a clip.
2: How come you don't have anyone to watch this kid after school?
1: He just moved in. Where's the father? We met in college, and it turns out that he had been seeing no someone. No need to tell it
2: then. I can watch the kid after school. A few hours. Same price. I can do $11 an hour you pay the snacks.
0: Your kid ate my last can of sardines. Really? So this seems like pretty much prime territory for Bill Murray, right?
1: He can be everything Bill Murray is. He can have a sense of humor. He can be gross out guy. He can be kind of gruff. He can be very opinionated. He can be wry. He he can be all those things. And plus, did you hear that accent? That that yeah. I, I think that's supposed to be a Brooklyn accent he has there. Yeah.
0: Is that what it's supposed to be? Okay.
1: Yeah. The first time I heard it, I'm like, hold on. Is he supposed to be from Boston? And he's a war veteran? Yes. He's a war veteran. And He also um, has his own family history. He has, of course, a whole life that happened before he became this grumpy guy in the neighborhood who yells at people. Right. And we learn about that. And, you know, a lot of it's And – I'm just going to say you're right, Rafer. A lot of this is just bad Santa and bad grandpa. A lot of it's very cliche. A lot of it's exactly what you expect. And yet, and yet, even as I thought all that at the end of the movie – I had tears running down ah, my face.
0: But you're a sucker for this I stuff, am. Kristen. I am. I'm a
1: sucker. All you need to do is get a little boy to say something about an old man changing his life, and suddenly I'm like, you're right. So <laughs> We're so lucky to have old men changing our lives. <laughs> and how is Melissa McCarthy? Melissa McCarthy's playing the straight man in this movie. Hmm. I think you would really like her. She's She doesn't have a lot of lines, but she's very sweet. She's emotional. She's a little bit conflicted about her own... Uh, impending divorce from her ex and Ah. uh, about being a single mom and she's got real heart and it made me think she should be in more drama movies. I think she'd actually be really good at that. Yeah, I I thought she was very good at it but she's not in a lot of scenes in this movie. So, good date? I thought it was a fine date for most of it. I was like, oh, this is fine until I started crying and I'm like, I can't help it. I love this date. (laughs) I can't (laughs) help it. All right, I'm glad to hear that.
2: Yeah. Was in another lifetime well
1: blood. Well, how about Kill the Messenger? Is that gonna make me cry also? Tell me about that, Rafer.
0: Well, Kill the Messenger, um, this is a movie that I was looking forward to because I was sort of in in the Bay Area when this uh, the story that this movie tells unfolds, uh, unfolded. Um, If you remember the name Gary Webb, he is the guy who broke a series of stories in 1996 for the San Jose Mercury News, uh, mostly a local regional paper, not a New York Times, LA Times, uh, New York Times kind of paper. But Gary Webb at that paper broke this story connecting the CIA, the Contras, and the crack crack cocaine epidemic in uh, California, well, nationwide, and connected the dots, created a huge furor. And the fallout that happened after that, where his story was picked apart, analyzed, and so was he, um, was just as newsworthy as the actual articles that he wrote. Here's a clip from the
2: movie. Look, I was under the impression that you guys had something to say to me. But to answer your question, no. My angle is that the American government, new drugs were put on the streets to fund an illegal war. What you want to say happened never happened. Then why am I here? American kids were going to die in that war. American kids did die, and they're still dying. Just not the ones you care about, apparently. We'd never threaten your children, Mr. Webb. Might. What'd you
0: say? So that's Jeremy Renner playing Mm. Kill the Messenger. Jeremy Renner is an actor that I have not found very impressive.
1: Yeah, we've talked about this on the podcast. You have not warmed up to him. Not
0: after The Hurt Locker. I mean, you know, uh, Marvel's The Avengers, I thought he was a dead weight. The Mission Impossible movie, another dead weight. Uh... I actually think this is his his best performance since The Hurt Locker. He seems really engaged and engaging, and you really buy him as this character, this sort of shaggy-haired, rumpled, but dogged, fearless reporter who is, I think, in over his head. You know, he's a guy from the San Jose Mercury News. The San Jose Mercury News does not cover international news. They do not cover the CIA. And here he, he sort of jumps in or perhaps falls in to this, pool of conspiracy and winds up getting blowback not just from the government but also from his own newspaper from other papers who start picking apart his story there's a feeling that the Washington Post which considers CIA it's you know the CIA it's it's home turf felt scooped LA which you know covers South Central which was ground zero for the crack cocaine epidemic they felt scooped and there's a sense that maybe they put a lot more effort into Uh, denigrating his story than in following up. And the movie does a good job, I think, of showing what it's like to rise so high and be awarded Journalist of the Year and have all the major newspapers and major media outlets coming, courting you, asking you for interviews, uh, showering attention on you, and then all of a sudden having it all spiral completely downhill. It's really, it's a great story. Uh, Gary Webb killed himself. In, uh years later, uh, he never worked as a professional journalism uh, journalist again. He shot himself twice in the head. It's a tragic, tragic story. Mm. I feel like the movie is a little bit too much on his side, a little bit too wedded to his version of events. But I think if you're a smart viewer and a kind of a, a, a media savvy, worldwide viewer, I think you can see the nuances in this movie. And uh, I found it pretty compelling.
1: Now, I have a question, though. We're both from the journalism world. Yeah. For people in the non-journalism world, is "Kill the Messenger" going to be too inside baseball? I actually don't
0: think it is. I think it's it's going to work. Uh, I think at its best, it feels like something like "The Insider." Um, oh, you yeah. Know, it's one of these kind of journalism dramas that you don't have to be a journalist to get into. Um, you know, it's not it's not quite all the president's men. It doesn't quite have that kind of righteous fervor, that sort of zealotry that you get when you watch that movie because the story is kind of in question the story is not rock solid um, even though I think the gist of it was true the story itself pretty flawed and I think Gary Webb as a reporter was was fairly flawed um, but Kill the Messenger I think is a, a really a good intelligent smart date and mm. um,
1: for all its flaws I liked it alright I'm gonna have to check that out coming up we review The Judge plus an interview with
0: Damien Chazelle director of Whiplash.
1: Stay with us. This is Movie Date. I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Rafer Guzman. And let's talk about
0: The Judge, Rafer. Okay, Kristen, give us the rundown.
1: The Judge is a movie about a judge played by Robert Duvall in a small town in Indiana. He has three sons. One of these sons is kind of estranged, played by Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. has left the small town. He's moved to the big city. He's a successful lawyer. He's got loads of money. He comes back to his father and to his small town after his mother dies, but then he can't leave because his father gets entangled in what could be a manslaughter case, a murder case, a hit-and-run case depending on how you look at it. Here's a clip.
2: If the blood matches and I have no reason to doubt it does,
1: then I must have clipped him. I don't remember any of that.
2: I don't remember what happened. Defense doesn't fly with a corpse. We need to establish a firm defense. We got to get the charges dropped and make it all go away at the preliminary hearing. We never go to trial. There's no way here, Henry. This was an accident, period. Any decent lawyer can argue this
0: easily. And by decent, I mean honest. Someone from here. Someone with integrity that an Indiana judge will respect. I retain one of that breed this morning. Right? I wish I liked you more.
1: Robert and Robert. <laughs> Together
0: at last. Together at last. <laughs> For the first time. Um, these are two pretty good actors, I oh, think. Oh, yeah, right? absolutely.
1: You know what? I, I actually thought repeatedly, I thought many times while watching this movie, both of these guys are so good that you could probably give them any drivel and I'd still watch them. Yeah, and they which both... isn't to say right off the bat that this is drivel. We'll save that till later. But oh, okay, oh.
0: all right, all right. Let's talk about that. I I do think too these guys are both playing the kinds of characters that, you know. You could say this is not a stretch for either one of them, right? Robert Robert Duval is playing the bullheaded, tough love, hard-nosed father who, you know, he's been playing that kind of role since like the great Santini back in the yeah. late nineteen seventies.
1: He's got rules and this is what happens when you break them.
0: That's right, goddammit. Uh <laughs> great scene where you know, where Robert Downey Jr. is yelling at him, telling him all the terrible things that, that Robert Duval did to him as a kid, and Robert Duval says, You're welcome. <laughs> Um, and Robert Robert Downey Jr. is, you know...
1: A little cocky, a little bit too suave, yes, yeah, a little familiar. bit naughty, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Too big for his britches and yet yeah. yeah, unbelievably charming.
0: Yes. If he had a palladium heart, he would be Iron Man. <laughs> so it's not really a big stretch for Robert Downey Jr. either, but he's great at that character. It's a great persona for him. It works and he's he's really good at it. And to see the two of them play off each other like that, I think those are some of the better scenes in this, in this movie. What did you think about all the supporting actors? Because I think it's actually a really fine cast.
1: So Vincent D'Onofrio, mm-hmm. I hated him. On law and order criminal intent. Oh, I loved I That's loved the him in that. That's the reason I couldn't watch that show. No kidding. Oh god, he just drove me nuts and seeing him in this movie every time he was on screen I cringed. I'm like, "Oh, don't be that guy." You thought he was
0: going to start the Asperger's routine again? Yes.
1: Oh, it's just no, not my thing. I don't but He want, doesn't. No, but then instead he goes like this extreme other direction of I'm just going to be kind of mute and look down and look sad all the time.
0: Well, he's got a he's got a rough history uh, and it's a rough history that's entangled with his brother Hank played by 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 Downey and you know it's Glenn is this kind of sad sack who never left Carlinville, Indiana. He's still there for reasons that well, we won't spoil it. But, you know, I think it's a good character. I think actually he, to me, in in terms of the support cast, is the best thing. He's the best thing in that cast.
1: Yeah. Vera Farmagia.
0: Vera Farmiga. <laughs> For Vera
1: Farmiga. I'm think. sorry. I pronounce her name wrong every single time she's in a movie. Vera <laughs> Farmiga. She was playing that just typical... I'm a blonde girl back in your small town thing, and that kind of drove me nuts. Yeah, and the her... one that got away. And then there's Leighton Meester playing that horny dingbat, and then Dax Shepard is that antique dealer who is also a lawyer, and then there's also the daughter that Robert Downey Jr. has who comes for a visit. I think well, I think
0: what what you're getting at though is the idea that this movie is almost two and a half hours, two twenty or something. Yes, I think it's very long, and yet it's so filled with all these other characters with their backstories and their backstories have backstories that eventually i started to feel like now why am i why am i putting up with all of this uh, you know why is
1: vera even in this movie and, if she's yeah, going to be so crappy right and
0: vera <laughs> and Carla, the uh, Leighton Meester's character, and then he's got. Not only does he have Hank, the sad sack brother, he's also got uh, Dale, a kind of mentally impaired, mentally deficient brother, played Plus by Jeremy of Strong. Plus all his home
1: movies that we keep watching. Right. With him.
0: So, and what happens is, as the movie is starting out. I actually think the film is pretty well written and as the movie is starting out they're all this you're getting this information this very natural way information about the home movies and uh, you know Hank who used to play baseball and his and uh, the judge's habits and what he does on Wednesdays and all this stuff and I'm kind of I'm taking some of this in thinking all right, all this is going to come to the fore later right Robert Downey Jr. is going to have to you know defend his father on this murder charge and he's going to know these things about the family tidbits are going to come out secrets will be revealed but then And he'll remember, aha, but on Wednesdays or but, you know, uh, but no, but Hank played baseball because none of that happens. None of that happens. The case, the case in this movie is actually completely cut and dried. It's a it's a complete actually turns out to be a totally open and shut case with no surprises whatsoever. That is true. I was stunned by that. (laughs) I was stunned that that I that I sat through a courtroom drama and there's a big pivotal moment at the end and I was surprised by nothing it actually turned out to be exactly what we all thought
1: I almost felt that the courtroom stuff just Shouldn't have been there. Well, it turns out to be completely extraneous, actually, yeah. right?
0: You've got Billy Bob Thornton, who plays the... Uh, the he's prop. always wonderful. He's wonderful. Yeah, he's always, just great. He's got this Midwestern accent, but he's got a beard like Satan. Yes. I love
2: that. Yes, uh,
0: I, I love him. I, I mean, ultimately, I'm going to say it's not a bad date. It's compelling. It's well-written. The acting is good. It looks good. It's a very handsomely made movie. Um, but it's there's not a lot of there there. It's kind of an empty date.
1: Yeah, I, I would say... I think the date needed to decide to either be a family drama movie or a courtroom drama movie, one or the other. And because of that, it was two mediocre dates instead of one good one.
0: The judge, confused date.
1: (laughs) Confused date. All right, Rafer, let's get to our big interview. This is a movie that we've been talking about In our fall movie preview, on other shows we've been on, we've been very excited about Whiplash, starring J.K. Simmons and Miles Teller. And I'll let you explain what this movie is about, Rafer. It's the story of uh, a young drummer
0: at a prestigious musical academy. He's uh, trying to get ahead. He gets a mentor named Terrence Fletcher. That's the J.K. Simmons character, who turns out to be encouraging in his way, but also abusive, nasty, a torturer mentor, if you will. People have called this uh, Black Swan at Juilliard. They've called it Full Metal Juilliard. uh, (laughs) And both, I think, are somewhat accurate. Here's a clip.
2: Why do you suppose I just hurled a chair at your head, Neiman? The tempo? Were you rushing or were you dragging? I I don't know. Start counting. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Now, was I rushing or was I dragging? I don't know count again one two three w- one two three four, one two three rushing four. or dragging rushing so you do know the difference
1: damien chazelle is the writer and director of the new film whiplash thanks so much for being here
0: thanks for having me so damien there's a little fact in this fictional film is that right this this character of mm-hmm. terence fletcher played by jk simmons based on or inspired by someone in your actual life
2: Yeah, I would say inspired by. Um, Certainly there were some liberties taken. Um, But I I was a jazz drummer myself in a pressure cooker kind of jazz orchestra. In my case, it was in high school, uh, so it was a little different. But it was, you know, a a program that was treated very much like a college or professional program and sort of would travel around the world and play competitions. And the conductor inspired a lot of fear. So I wanted to kind of, you know, create a character who was a little bit in, in that sort of mold, but also, you know, particularly explore this weird sort of relationship between mentor-mentee and, 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 uh, and conductor and musician. Um, and it winds up really focusing and really kind of distilling into the need to find approval from one single individual and what that kind of does to your psyche.
1: I think that's such a fascinating relationship because the student is such a perfectionist and needing approval so badly. And you realize at a certain point in the film – He wouldn't be abused if he didn't need his tormentor so badly, which is complicated because you don't want an abusive victim to ever be complicit in the abuse. How how did you walk that line in depicting this relationship? Because you don't want it it to be a story of it's his fault.
2: Right. I mean, I think it's – I think at the the end of the day, the the character that J.K. Simmons plays, Fletcher – Sees immediately what he can prey on, so he sees at once someone who's the perfect victim to his methods, but also ultimately the perfect, you know, victor. Um, someone who actually will sort of carry it through to the end. Um, so I see it as, as you know, even though the entire movie is told from the point of view of Andrew, um, the the structure of the movie is really like one long lesson that Fletcher has, you know, created for him.
0: There's a a lot of great details in this movie and one of the ones that i like is a poster in uh, or a, maybe a magazine cutout in andrew mile tellers character's room his dorm room he's got a little picture i think it's of buddy rich his hero yeah. Yeah. uh and the quote i may get it wrong but the quote is if you don't practice you end up in a rock band and <laughs> i love that quote because i think it says a lot about andrew the character about his thoughts what he wants and also i think sort of the way he must be kind of disconnected from a lot of yeah. his generation you know most most teenagers want to be in a rock band um yeah. was that you were you were you like him uh, did you want to be one of the greats were you afraid of ending up in a rock band
2: <laughs> no i would have loved to be in a rock band i was in rock bands with friends i um but at the same time buddy rich was always this sort of idol who loomed down on me and and part of what makes Buddy Rich what gives him such a mystique as a as a figure in jazz history is not just how great a player he was, but how tough he was, uh off the drum kit. Super, super tough uh to his players. There's recordings online, you can hear of him uh verbally just going after his players. And uh this is exactly the kind of stuff that you know I wrote for Fletcher, uh very much in the same mold.
1: Another detail that I think anybody watching this movie might be shocked by is how much a body physically goes through while training that hard to be a musician. How many of these details are exaggerated and how many are real? And I'm specifically talking about your bleeding on your drums.
2: Depends on how thick your skin is, literally. Uh, You know, blisters immediately start happening. And if you have weak skin, your blisters bleed and then your blisters tear. And um, so I remember having to work through the pain. My hands were always just in stinging, stinging pain um, while playing. And I put on screen what I went through. So there's not a drop of blood on the uh, – uh, in the film, by which I mean the, the, the blood that, you know, rises from drumming, uh, not from other stuff, um, that, that is not uh, – th- that, that I didn't, you know, experience myself.
1: Well, Damien Chazelle, thank you so much for being here with us today.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Damien Chazelle is the writer and director of the new film Whiplash. Now, Rafer, as usual, we wrap things up here at Movie Date with some trivia.
0: Kristen, tell us about last week's.
1: So last week, we were talking about dolls in the movies, specifically the movie Annabelle. And we know haunted dolls don't keep them in your house. Nope, don't do no. that. No, if, if you have a scary doll, you either burn it alive, bury it in the backyard, leave it at that thrift store you saw it in.
0: It'll come back, though.
1: I suppose. But you definitely don't bring it into your house and then hang it above the baby's crib. Right. You just don't do that. All right, so we were talking about dolls in the movies. We played a clip of another movie with a notable doll in it. Here's the clip.
0: You know, Bianca's a a missionary. Well, was a missionary, right, sorry, because she was raised by nuns. But now she's on
1: a sabbatical so she can experience the world. Isn't that neat? Well, you are. We asked you to identify what movie that is with that doll, and here is the right answer.
2: Hi, my name is Simpho Mubano. I'm from Missouri, and I think the answer to the trivia question this week is Lars and the Real Girl, starring Ryan Gosling and an animatronic sex doll that he loves so very, very much. Uh, thank you, and I hope that's the right answer.
0: Okay, that name, is it Simpho Mubano? I think that's simple Mbano. Okay.
1: And, and apologies if we are totally mispronouncing your name. But, Sorry about that, but, but thank you for calling thank in. Thank you... you for calling. Yeah, we got tons and tons of right answers this week, but we love your name. So yeah. of course we chose you. Know? <laughs> Everybody from now on call in and have an interesting name. Right, exactly. <laughs> it always helps. And what's this week's question, Rafer? This week we've
0: been talking about The courtroom drama, The Judge. We kind of raked that one over the coals a little bit, I suppose. (laughs) Uh, But that led us to thinking about other great courtroom dramas that we haven't seen a lot of in the past 20 years or so. I think that genre kind of peaked in the 90s, frankly. Mm. So we went back looking uh, through the past uh, decades of courtroom dramas, and we found one great one. We're going to play you this clip.
2: That man is a slime. He is a slime. If he's allowed to go free, then something really wrong is going on. You are out of order. You're out of order. You're out of order. The whole trial is out of order. They're out of order.
0: That man, that's crazy. It's one of my favorites.
1: You're out of order.
0: I love that movie.
1: I'm out of order. If you know that movie,
0: if you know who's (laughs) yelling in that movie, Give us a call, 5717-MOVIES.
1: Or you can always visit us at moviedatepodcast.org or at facebook.com slash podcast. I'm
2: guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, you see. I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. I'm guilty, I'm guilty.